Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 10 tonight. Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 10. In the last chapter, in the last, not chapter, but the last section where we looked at two weeks ago, we see Abraham lifted up as an example of great faith, right? God called Abraham, or Abram at this point, he called Abram out of Ur, out of, out, of the, out of the land of the Chaldeans, out of the Babylonians, where his, he and his family were worshiping other gods. He calls Abram to come to a land that he'll show him. He doesn't tell him where he's going, just a land that I'm going to show you. And, and Abram goes. And we see the power of God's word, just like in Genesis chapter 1, whenever he says, let there be light and there was light. And creation obeys him. God calls Abram. He says, go. And he gets up and he goes. And he promises Abram these things. He's promising him offspring. That he's going to have a descendant. Have descendants. Many nations are going to come from Abram. Right? He's going to give him land. He's going to give him Descendants, he's going to give him blessing. He's going to bless those who bless him and all of these things. And Abram, in spite of the fact that he doesn't own the land, he's just wandering around, sojourning in this land that's inhabited by the Canaanites. What's he do? He's building altars. Everywhere he goes, he's building altars saying, this is God's land. Yeah, the pagans may inhabit it right now, but this is God's land. He has faith. He believes that God's going to keep His promise. That He's going to give him this land. And He's going to give him these. In spite of the fact that at the time, he was 75 years old and had no kids. Well, this great faith we see in the last passage is put right next to this passage where Abram is nothing but a stone-cold coward. (laughs) He is a coward here, we see in this text. And, and, and the Bible does this. There are no heroes in the Bible but Jesus. Everybody that is lifted up as a great hero is shown to be a sinner. We've got Abram here. We're, the story we're going to look at tonight, we, we see Noah. You know, Noah was like a second Adam. He... he, he, he uh, um, you know, started off because he built this boat whenever it was going to rain. And yet, after the flood, he gets drunk and lays in his tent naked and his children shame him. And we, we see the same with David. David, this great person who's, you know, he's often called a man after God's own heart. And yet, David was an adulterer and a murderer. What about Samuel? Samuel, we think of this story about Samuel. He, he heard God's voice when he was just a little bitty boy. And even Samuel 
I don't believe his, his children followed the Lord. Every hero of the Bible, except for one, the Bible takes great pains to show they're sinners too. And that gives us great confidence. Because when we look at our lives, if we're honest, we know we're sinners. We're, even though we're believers, even though God has changed our hearts, even though He's caused us to be born again and put the Holy Spirit in us to live, we still struggle with sin. I think God shows us in the Bible that even the people that are the great ones in the faith are sinners. And it goes to show what Mike read from in the text. God justifies the ungodly for faith, through faith. He justifies the ungodly for having faith in Christ. It's not because of our works. It's not because we could be good enough or smart enough. It's not based on anything we could do. It's based upon His mercy. It's based upon His grace. And we see that here in the life of Abram. So let's look at Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a woman, beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. Saying, you, say, you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life will be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, female, or male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh uh, called Abram and said, What is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you, why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him. And they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Let's pray. Father, help us. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to believe and obey your word. Give me strength to preach your word and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there was a famine in the land, he starts out. Now, there was a famine in the land. And maybe those words sound familiar to you. Let's back up a little bit. Who was writing Genesis? Anybody want to give a guess? Moses. Moses was writing Genesis. And Moses was the one who led the people out of Egypt 
and led them around the wilderness for 40 years while they were preparing to go into the promised land. And he had, as he was doing that, he was writing the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And you can just imagine, as God revealed this story, uh, however, Abr- however Moses got it, as God revealed it to Abram, or not to Abram, but to Moses, him thinking on this story and thinking, that's just like what God did for us. There was a famine in the land. Maybe you know where I'm thinking of, but we hear these words again in the life of Joseph. (laughs) There was a famine in the land, and Joseph didn't want his family to starve, so he says, go down to Egypt and buy food for us and bring it back. There was a famine in the land. And, and the Hebrews would have been familiar with this story. Right? They knew how they got to Egypt. They got to Egypt because God brought them there by His sovereign hand to save them from this famine that was in the land. Well, Abram, whenever there was a famine in the land, he went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. Again, that ought to to bring echoes where we think about the later story. The famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you're a beautiful woman in appearance. You are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me but they'll let you live. Abram, who was this great man of faith in the last section we looked at, is a coward here. He's a lying coward. He he tells his wife, Sarai, they're going to kill me. If they see how beautiful you are, they're going to kill me. And and Abram was probably right in his concern. Because what happens? They go into the land. The Egyptians see that she's such a beautiful woman. And instead of killing him, Sarah goes, Sarah goes through the same plan that they had hatched before. And it's a dumb plan. It's an, a dishonest plan. It's a plan that lacks faith. But it's what he did. This, his wife, this, uh, I'm sorry. And when the Egyptian, I'm sorry. Losing my place here. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. Say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you. And that my life may be spared for your sake. What's he doing with Sarai? He's using her as a human shield. He's being a coward saying, you know, what what are husbands supposed to do? They're supposed to protect their wife and family. And Abram is doing the opposite of that. Abram is saying, here, take her. She's a human shield here in this story. Abram is not doing what God has called men and husbands to do. 
think about later on in the Bible about a husband and a wife. And I'm thinking about Christ and His church. Jesus did what Abram didn't do. Whenever the soldiers came to take Him away, Jesus, they, they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, here I am. Let those who are with me go. Take me. That's what Jesus did. But Abram, he uses his wife as a human shield and says, just tell them you're my sister. So that they'll take you, they'll let you live, and they'll let me live because of you. Verse 14, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. This was not just some starry-eyed thing that a husband had for his wife. You know, he was 75, she was 65, and you can imagine where, where Abram, after years of marriage, he would look at her and say, oh, you're so beautiful. But, you know, the Egyptians saw her, and, and she really was, right? They, they saw her, she was 65 years old, and the Egyptians saw her and saw, she is a beautiful woman. When the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. When it says that the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, he was ba it's basically saying that she was added to Pharaoh's harem. And all of his wives that, wives that he had, she was just added to his harem. Basically, Abram told his wife... <coughs> Tell him you're my sister so that he could use her as a human shield and she's basically taken and sold into sex slavery. Basically, this is what Abram has done. Again, you have a similarity. What happened whenever Joseph and all of his brothers went down into Egypt? Things were well for a while, but they ended up involved in slavery. Here we have Abram and Sarah going down into Egypt and Sarah ends up in slavery. Verse 16. And for her sake, he dealt, dwell, that's Pharaoh, dwelt, dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen and male donkeys and and male servants and female servants and female donkeys and camels. So, this is just it's piling up worse and worse and worse for Abram. He has lied. He has used his wife as a human shield. He has basically turned her over for, uh, for sex slavery. And he's benefiting from it financially. He's getting all these li this livestock and servants and everything. He's, he's benefiting it from it financially. And we have a word for that today when a man benefits from a woman being abused in that kind of way. Abraham was acting like a pimp. <laughs> the Bible is tarring this great hero, isn't it? Because there is no hero in the Bible except God. There is no hero in the Bible except Jesus. So what happens? 
God comes to the rescue. When the Egyptians it had enslaved God's people in Egypt, God came to the rescue. And that's what He does here. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. What did God do to deliver His people out of slavery from Egypt at the time that Moses was writing? He sent plagues on Egypt and even on Pharaoh and his household. Same word. God sent plagues on Pharaoh to deliver her from slavery. So Pharaoh called to Abram and said, What is this you've done to me? Does that sound familiar? I think we've heard something like this before when we think of the biblical story, and particularly the first few chapters. We have Adam and Eve in the garden, In perfect paradise, Adam and Eve both partake of the fruit that they've been commanded not to eat. And God comes down into the garden, which He would do, and He says, Adam, where are you? What have you done? What have you done, Adam? And Cain and Abel. We know the story. Cain kills his brother Abel And God comes down and He visits Cain and He says, What have you done? And here we have a rebuke coming from Pharaoh using the words, What is this you've done? How irony this, how much irony this is. Pharaoh was was viewed as the enemy of God's people. Remember, Moses is writing this. He's the one who had enslaved God's people. Not the same Pharaoh, but he's the one who had enslaved God's people. And, and, and just if we know from archaeology what the Pharaoh may have looked like, you know, uh, you've got this, this headdress that looks like a cobra on the top. Right? And we see from Genesis chapter 3, there's a promise that one day there will be a son of of a descendant of Eve that will crush the serpent's head. There's going to be enmity between the serpent, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. And Pharaoh is here seen as representative of the seed of the serpent. And you have the seed of the serpent rebuking the seed of the woman, Abram. That's irony. That's irony right there. You have have Pharaoh here saying, what is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? He points out the lie. Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my wife. Then, now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Also, again, it's familiar with the Exodus story. What happened after the, t- the tenth and final plague? When Pharaoh's own son was killed by the plague? Pharaoh tells him, go! Just go! Get out! And here we have 
Abram, the same thing. God sends plagues upon Pharaoh and his household, and the Pharaoh says, go, get out. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away, and his wife and all that he had. His wife and all that he had. We know about maybe the plundering of Egypt. When the people went out from the land of Egypt, they took things along with them. They took property. People gave them jewelry and all kinds of stuff. Here, whenever God sent, God delivered Abram and Sarah out of this, they took all they had, all that Abram acquired in the midst of that. I think Abram's point in showing us all these, or not Abram, Moses' point in showing us all these similarities that we see between what happened with Abram and what happened with the Exodus is to show this is how God works. When His people are enslaved, when His people are being mistreated, God comes to the rescue. God will do whatever it takes. He will send plagues to save His people. And God does the same for us. We are enslaved by sin. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And God sent Jesus for us. God took on the Son, took on Himself all of the plagues for us. He took on the wrath of God for us. And that's the gospel. We look at this story and we see a failure of a man. We see a man who at one time was so faithful and at another time is so sinful. And we see that he was saved in spite of his sin because he trusted in God. And so we want not to be like Abraham here. We don't want to be liars and enslavers and all those things. We, but we do want to believe that God is our hero. That when we have sinned, when we have messed up, when we have again for the millionth time messed up our lives, He is there. And He is ready to save us. In the midst of it. Because God, as Romans says, justifies the ungodly through faith in Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Him. Trust that He can justify you no matter how much sin you may have. No matter how what you've done He can make you born again. He can make you go from death into life. He can rescue you from whatever situation you are in. Just like He rescued Sarah and Abram. Even when Abram was in the middle of sinning. Our great hero is not Abram. Our great hero is Jesus. Thank you.
listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.